My name is Christine Nicodemus, and I'm a proud member of the South End Dilworth community group, um, and also joyfully married to Tim, who's on the diaconate here at Christ Central Church. This morning, I have the pleasure of reading quite a bit of scripture to you this morning, <laughs> starting in Hebrews 11. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. From Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. From Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. From Matthew 24. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. From 1 Peter. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. And then from Genesis 6. These are the generations of Noah, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make room in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under, under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds, 
and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you and to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And we had a little confusion on our scripture reading. The first one was last week's scripture reading. So you have some more scripture reading I'm going to read to you. So it is not that first one in Hebrews is not the right one. So let me read it for you. Hebrews 1 through 3 and then verse 7. It says this. Um, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received the, receive their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe is created by the word of God. But what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Word of God. So we continue through our hall of faith sub-study in the book of Hebrews. We come to Noah. Last week we looked at Enoch, an obscure life, except for the end when he was taken away by God. But Noah and Noah's ark, everybody knows about Noah and Noah's ark. In fact, a movie on Noah starring Russell Crowe just came out a couple years ago, and I saw it. And it was a very, very, very loose <laughs> interpretation of an abridgment of a paraphrase about Noah. Let that guide your watching of that movie. Not quite the full and deeper picture we get here from the passages we read. When you think Noah, you think flood and animals and an ark and a rainbow. But Hebrews wants us to think faith, a faith that floats with hope, right? Like Noah, we live in a world that is often at odds with God's forecast of judgment and salvation. And it's my hope today that in Jesus we find, like Noah did in the ark, a faith buoy for our lives. So like Noah, let's pay attention to what we need in our faith. First, we need a faith that sees through the eyes of God that works with the hands of God and trust in the relationship with God. Sees through the eyes of God, works with the hands of God, and trust their relationship with God. 
Look at the words described in these passages. It is safe to say that Noah's faith was in large part about being able to see through the eyes of God, to see the world the way God saw it happening and going down, to see what the world could not. Look back at our passage in first three verses of Hebrews, the one you don't have. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then in the Matthew passage, it says this, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man meaning the second time Christ comes back, meaning the life we live right now in the world we live now. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then look at the beginning verses of our Genesis passage. It says here, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And the Bible says, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence um, through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now it is clear, God and Noah by faith, given to him by God, Noah saw what the world around him could not and did not see. From the world's perspective, right, from the world's uh, popular groups, how they viewed the world in their lives, things were good, and they were good. And by mentioning marriage and giving in marriage and eating and drinking, they were optimistic about the future. They were prosperous, and they saw their prosperity as their right to be and do how and who they wanted to be, regardless of what God might have called and created them to be. Yet Noah, given the Word of God, was allowed to see through the lens of faith. He has faith sight, right? There was no Bible back then. Remember, these were more like the Neanderthal believers, but God spoke to them. They did receive God's word, and through it, God let Noah see through the looking glass, right? The lenses, the hermeneutic, the paradigm of grace and law, and he saw the world for what it really was and what was really going to happen, and who, was, who God was and who he was, and, and see the world for how God thought, contrary to popular belief. To God. And then Noah. What was going on in the world? Unlike how they were living, it didn't look like Club Med or the newest luxury condo or an investment opportunity to God and Noah. It was slated for demolition and, as con as, and, and was condemned as a dangerous place and way to be living. You ever think you good at doing something? until somebody videos you? <laughs> or think you sound good until somebody records you? 
Or you think you're the expert at something until somebody really opens your eyes. Some expert who's really the expert comes along and shows you. I remember that Atkins diet, y'all. And I wasn't reading everything. I really wasn't reading anything. I didn't get the book. I didn't ask my doctor. This was years ago. I just liked the freeman idea that I could have a bag of barbecue pork rinds every morning for breakfast. That's what I saw. I loved it. It was the greatest diet ever. I would stop by Ingalls after taking Kelly to work and stop and get me a bag of barbecue pork rinds every day for breakfast. I was good in my own eyes, y'all. I was losing weight, going to the gym, even looking kind of buff from pork rinds until I got my blood pressure checked, <laughs> right? That's why plenty good-looking cut brothers in the grave now, right? Go by the casket. He looked good. What happened? Pork rinds for breakfast, Right? You can't see it. That's why they call it the silent killer, right? It's like that with the world. Noah sees the corruption of the world and the coming judgment that the world and its people could not see or expect. Life tasted so good to them. They didn't want to look at it through God's lenses. Plus, it might make you stop having fun and build an ark in the middle of the desert. No way. We're not going that way. And it points to something that apart from faith and God, apart from faith, sight, and insight through the lenses, the, the corrective lenses of God's Word and grace, we won't and can't see life and ourselves the right way. The way God sees it is so we won't and don't see how we will be held accountable and judged by God for sin. And the Bible tells us that God informs Noah of what he, God, sees. And he, and he gave him faith that, that like verse 1 tells us to, to see the unseen. And, be un, and by unseen, it obviously means what is not ordinarily or readily revealed and seen and accepted and obvious to us fallen human beings. But Noah had faith sight, if you will, to see God's judgment on the world. Now get this. It was not about how he assessed it, right, and determined it and judged it. But he was able to see how God judged it and saw it. There's a lot of crazy things going on in our world, right? In our country, in our culture, in our cultures. And it's clear that it's okay through the lens of human rights or freedom or constitutional rights or fun or joy or what my hard work should give me and what I have the right to have and how I have the right to live and see myself. And let me tell you what's hard. As the scripture says, they were marrying and giving and marriage and eating and drinking. And let me look, when you look at the world, right? 
outside of the lens of God's word, it is so prosperous. Sometimes there's so much freedom. There's so much joy. There's so much self-definition and, and world definition. You can define anything you want. It's just great. And then God drops his word over your eyes. And you see it. It's headed for destruction and condemnation. And let me tell you, on the surface, it's not you. It's not them who's going to look like the fool. It's you and me who look through and at this world through the lens God's word. God has in his grace given his people faith through the word of God to see through and interpret it. And it'll seem like we are having a holy hallucination of the way things really are going. And, And that is faith sight, a worldview, a biblically and spiritually given interpretation of the world around us that does not come from the world. But as the Bible tells us, God created the world out of nothing, out of the word of his mouth. He created it, and it is saying that the unseen truths of God, uninterpreted by regular human beings, truths of God, now become the way and the reason and the lens we look through as believers to live. It's just hard. And that worldview that lens of how we see where we live and and what directions things are going, right, should inform the acts of our faith and how we should be living and looking for as, as people of faith, much like it did Noah, who given faith, sight, and insight to see the world through the eyes of God and take action. Noah's given faith that works with the hands of God. By faith, he worked out of obedience to God and worked out, worked out his salvation through what the Lord had given him. Look again at verse 3 if you have your Bibles today. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Fancy word, God created the world ex nihilo. means out of nothing except his own mind, out of his will, out of his word. And now God calls us to build a life, right? We are called to build our lives out of the substance of faith, which is unseen, out of the direction of God's word, much like Noah and the ark, a blueprint which comes from him. Faith is acting on what God has said and shown in his word that is unseen, come from a place that is unseen. Look at verse 7 and 8. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Noah didn't just theorize what it meant or simply saw what God wanted. He worked. 
what God alone could hand him from heaven. God gave him a way, a path, a law, a walk, a holy blueprint and directions. And obedience is taking that and working on it and working it into and building your life out of and into the fabric of what God says. This is not rocket science, right? This is about, as it says in the Genesis passage, I hear this. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof of the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. At any step of the way, something could seem incredibly impractical. Right? Lord, I hear you, but I've studied biology. I've seen National Geographic, God. We can't take the lions and the zebras. No! What you thinking, God? We don't see that. That don't make sense. Use gopher wood. Where do I find gopher wood? Do they sell it at Lowe's or Home Depot? Wait, there's no Lowe's or Home Depot back then. And then I want you to put pitch on the inside. I want three floors. Three floors. Lord, we can get it all in one. Take your sons and your daughters and everybody. Lord, they, they ain't walking with you. It says, I walk with you. Why do they get to come in, right? This one not getting along with this one. You know how the in-law wives do. They're not going to get along. What do you see, Lord? What you thinking? It means, obedience means doing what God wants. And what may end up, hear this, y'all, looking to the world as foolish, as ruin, as disaster, as overkill, and unnecessary details. And it looks that way because obedience is working heavens, God's very plan and hands in a world that, as we saw, that is blind to seeing and hearing and comprehending his ways. So obedience is hard sometimes, ain't it? Because these directions come from heaven and not earth. It will be more hard. It will be more than hard, right? It will be, as I describe as, arc hard, right? Sometimes faith-based obedience looks and feels useless, foolish, overkill, 
cutting yourself off from fun and world and expressed womanhood, of being a man, right? Freedom even, right? Uh, 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 it feels like God just doesn't understand you. He doesn't understand the pain you've already been through. You've already tried that. You've already been through church issues and abuse and problems. You've already done it all. Why be obedient again on day two after day one didn't go so well? It is obedience will feel like God adding insult to injury sometimes. Obedience is working on salvation that comes from an invisible, unseen God whose word comes from him alone is ark hard. Have you seen what God calls us? to do and be out of obedience as a road to deliverance and sanctification like Noah did in building the ark and saving his household. The Bible says, uh, the way the Bible says it, and I'm going to focus on those dynamics for a minute since it brings up saving households. But the husband and wife stuff in the Bible about obedience and submission and dying to yourself is ridiculous. And the single stuff is really absurd and unfair and archaic. I'm good. Be here all night. <laughs> and unthoughtful. And the Bible has some really crazy obedient stuff to say to children and, 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 and how they should obey their parents and how fathers shouldn't abuse their leadership over their children and wives. And then the call to work like a slave on your job for the glory of God, right? To be loving even though your life has been crushed. So uh, some of what the Bible calls lust and greed and idolatry, it fits right into the way to be prosperous and successful and have fun in this world. And all the rest of the kids and teens are watching it and doing it and getting positive attention by it. And parents are so hard to listen to and obey. They just want to take away everything and so-called call it protection. That's not hard stuff. That's arc hard. It feels like you're living in an arc with all the rules and Christian family stuff and being obedient to pray, to go to church for two hours when I can be sleeping at home and getting some work done. As, Peter, as the Peter passage says, we have here, suggests, we baptize our children and then make them submit to that baptism by teaching them the Bible and forcing them to go to children's ministries and pray with you at night and read Bible stories. stories. And some of us even drag our spouses along when they don't believe or able to say anything about their faith yet. Why? It's impractical. And it's unseen. All the stuff God calls obedience doesn't seem like it will float and work and be, and be practical and time-sensitive and convenient in a world that has never flooded. And you and I, I'm with you. I'm afraid of going in that ark. What if the door don't work? What if you go in there and lock the door and it don't flood, huh? You come out of that sea, told you. We had a good time. You lost your job while you were in that ark. We are afraid of going in there into God's ark life of obedience and being made a fool or die or miss out on life and love and happiness and what God calls for in obedience. 
impractical. I get real jealous of the world sometimes. It's hard. I look around, everybody having a good time, y'all. And here comes the Word of God. Why? Everybody buzzing, right? Everybody smoking. Everybody listening to everything, watching everything. Got two of everything when they're supposed to have one. Man, and you, here comes the Word of God. Be obedient. What? It don't float, God. Ain't no flood coming. So why was Noah so driven to obedience, to blind obedience? Because faith, because Noah's faith and obedience, remember, was not and never actually blind. It was only blind to the world. People say, have blind faith. Well, it's blind because it doesn't add up in the world. But God gave him a faith. That's the Ephesians passage. God gave him a gift of faith, and he did see something. Remember, Noah saw his and his world's need for salvation. And so he worked out and on and out of and because of the salvation God had given. Look again at verse 7 and 8 with me. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. When it says condemned by the world, it basically means this. First, that obedience to the light automatically throws shade on the behavior of those around him who were not hearing and obeying the voice of God. I remember when we moved in our neighborhood in Belmont, we, it, it was pretty dark over there, and we got light for our house. And you know what happened? People got mad because they said it made it hard to sleep or it was too bright. It's night, y'all. Time to turn those lights off, right? I'm like, we... We're going to keep our lights on at night. Sorry, little spotlights. Somebody walked by, boop, comes on. Hated that. And it really highlighted what? How dark and dangerous the other parts of the neighborhood were. Not so, not so when everyone was in darkness. But something more here. Noah's story declared that he believed the gospel. That we are sinners and, and, and that the world, him included, deserve God's judgment. That's why it says he did it with reverent fear. Noah believed that he and his family with him were sinners and deserving of the wrath of God too. When he saw and condemned the world's sin by his obedience, he automatically saw in it, if God gave him that sight, he automatically saw his brokenness too but with one difference than the world. Noah realized that in order to escape judgment, he would have to be saved by God's grace and salvation alone. He never said to God that they didn't deserve to drown too. 
But instead, he trusted God's way to salvation. And the salvation and grace God gave Noah literally and symbolically was in the ark. It was the ark of grace and salvation, not just or primarily from the world's evil, but from the way his sin and Satan would gobble up him and his family too. And that God alone was holy and that he needed grace and mercy and an ark of salvation, something only God's plan and hands and grace could actually deliver him into. Now do you see? Obedient faith is applying and working in God's plan of salvation in the gospel, right? It is, it is building pathways, y'all. It is punching air holes and putting more windows into a life where you are lost and suffocating and in darkness without the Lord. It is safe to say that God's grace and power and deliverance, that it comes through the avenues of faith obedience. But unless God's salvation come, we are lost. We are drowned in condemnation and brokenness. And God came and called Noah into his will and gave him sight. And through his obedience to build an ark, he worked out his salvation, knowing that his God was the only Savior of sinners. It was less about condemning others as, and more so about how he believed that salvation from condemnation and sin was nowhere else outside of God's salvation. Noah looked out, hearing God's truth at his family, and he saw that his family and world needed deliverance. Our new members questions that many of you who became members vow to. And we'll see some this morning when we do our baptism. Listen to the first three again. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God? Justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, but in his sovereign mercy? Question two. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? And then three is the obedience question, right? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? I hope you see it. Your church membership and declaration of faith up here is no formality of a bunch of goody-two-shoes moral people. No, we are declaring, Lord, we are sinners, right? We desperately need a Savior and in need of living in and working the gospel all over our lives. It makes sense why Paul wrote in Philippians, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I'm a dip in sauce an after-cooked additive kind of guy when it comes to food. I love ketchup. I do. 
And if I don't have ketchup, I'll light some honey mustard for my fries. I just like dips, sauces, gravies, right? Sometimes for me, food is just the delivery system for the sauce. <laughs> you ever been to House of Pizza up here? Man, that homemade dressing they got. Why do I order a salad? It's the proper way of getting the dressing in your mouth. That's it. Working out your own soul salvation is taking the life, right? The redeemed life God has baked up for you. And then spreading the demi-glaze, the pot liquor, the, that redeemed and render, rendered caramelized fat, right? The rue, the deglazing of your salvation all over your life. And it's amazing how spreads and sauces change everything. Noah, for lack of a better way of describing it, he spread the jelly, right, of God's grace all over his bread by putting his whole family in that ark. He put everything that he had in that ark, under that ark. And the world he was called to care for and all the animals, right? He put it all in the ark. And you, and you do it in fear, meaning in respect to how God is prepared for how far and deep and exact God calls it to go and apply to your life. God wants and asks and offers your whole life to be covered under the grace and love of the gospel as sinners who need to be covered in the arkish-like blood of Jesus' righteousness and care. God's grace is big enough and just enough and more than enough and wide enough and tall enough and deep enough and exact enough, right? And more than powerful enough for you and your world to be righteous in and under his protection against the world and sin and Satan and the coming judgment of the Lord. He is saying, spread the gospel all over your life. And it's generous, gracious provision for our souls in this world's dangerous ways and condemnation is the motivation to put as much of God's grace and gospel all over and into everything and everyone in our life and world. We take everything into our gospel protection. Our kids, our world, our jobs, our joblessness, our barrenness, our struggles, our success, the joy and the pain of all things put under the cover of the ark of God's grace and all things will inherit as Noah did the righteousness of God on it and through it. Does that mean everything will be perfect and work out easily? But your life worked in, under, and worked by God's Holy Spirit into the plan of God works not only for your good, but God's glory in some unseen, sometimes by you and me, ways.
I know it doesn't look like things are changing in your obedience to God. In your trust of God. The scripture is calling us in desperation for deliverance. In your desperation to understand why this is happening this way. In your desperation to, to, to try to make everything right, right and better in your world. In desperation to try to hold it all together and you can't. He's saying, take the gospel. The fact that we're sinners and things are broken, but Jesus is a savior of sinners. And put it all over your life. And watch God work. Look at verses 1 through 3 and then verse 7 one more time. This is my faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then verse 7 says this, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by you know what the fear and reverence will remind the Jewish readers of? The fear and reverence for a priest who finds himself in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And also what they felt like when God met them at Mount Sinai. Noah was not working out God's salvation in reverent fear because a reverend was visiting him. <laughs> but because God himself had come to save him through the ark. Noah's faith was what it was because God was walking with him, and he walked with God. Noah has faith that saw what the world didn't see, an obedience that was hard, and a salvation that was power to deliver, because Noah had a living God who was a Savior. When he says that Noah was an inheritor of righteousness, it means he didn't earn it by doing it or seeing all the right things, but that God was his father and Noah was God's son. The ark was never Noah's saving grace in and of itself, or else he would be fearful that it might not float. But the Lord himself was Noah's saving grace. When we see God's word call us to, call us to obedience <laughs> of things unseen, it's not the obedience that floats. It's the Lord's love and care, his promise to never leave you or forsake you, that makes life in Christ, a faith buoy. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your grace. The gift of faith. 
to obey things that are just not seen, just not practical, that seem unrighteous in the eyes of the world. I pray for those who do have families, who they have to lead and love. I pray for those who feel like they don't have families. Lord, I pray that they would all know that there's an ark of salvation and grace and safety in Christ for their lives. Lord, I pray that we would be able in desperation to look for your deliverance and live in a reverent fear that says, God is with me and he walks with me and he's right here for me. Help us to know that and see that, we pray. In Jesus' name.